Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church, and we are on a series called How Sweet the Sound. In this series, we are looking at the amazing topic of grace and how it accepts us, changes us, fills us, and saves us. Come join us as we discover the sweet sound of grace in your life. Good afternoon, everyone. How's it going? Good? Yeah, we good? We good? Yes? No? Yes? No? Yes? Yes? Okay, good. Good, good, good. So one of the things I try to do every time uh, I, before I start a sermon is try to sort of get a feel for the room. And I, what I know is that, what I do know, it's true for me, is that we all had different weeks. We had different things that we went through. And my prayer for this morning is that our hearts will be open, that, our, uh, that we'll be receptive, and that we will take these next 30 minutes and sort of, quote-unquote, forget the week, and then just put our hearts in a, in a position of receptiveness so we can hear what God has to say to us. Uh, God does an amazing thing. He uses uh, a person who is 100% uh, full of flaws to give a message that can change your life. And if your heart is open, will you raise your hand? Yes, that's all of you. All of you. All of you. Yes, most of you at least. Yes, it's fine. Um, so what I want to do is I want to, I want to share a message this morning. Uh, this morning, not this morning. I preached twice this morning. It's the afternoon. Wake up, Josh. But the point is, um, I want to share with you uh, a message, a message that, that, that was helpful for me, and I pray that it will be helpful for you as well. And I want to start off uh, by saying this. Have you, ever, have you ever thought something was true you were so sure that that thing was true, only to discover later that that which you were so sure that was true was never true from the beginning? Amen. Okay. So we've got different things that we go through and different things in life that play out that can show us that this, in fact, is a reality. For example, everyone used to think that the earth was flat, right? Only to discover that that was never true from the beginning. I think it was Galileo who discovered I could be wrong, in the 1600s, that discovered that the earth was not flat, even though there are some flat earthers out there. I hope you're not in the crowd right now. You've ever heard of the flat earthers? I don't know what's going on with that. That's so weird. You, you've heard of it or you are? Oh, you've heard of it. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. So anyway, but there's these different things that we think that are true, but they end up not being true. For example, uh, epilepsy was known to be sort of a demon possession type thing, only to discover that that was never true from the beginning. Uh, you may uh, think someone is very nice only to meet the person and talk to them and to discover that that wasn't true from the beginning. You could go to a restaurant and, and the restaurant could be beautiful on the outside. You could assume that it's a great restaurant. You walk in, you taste the food, and you realize that what you thought was true was not ever true from the beginning. And what's, the, what's true about restaurants and what's true about science and these different things is also true, in my opinion, about our walk with Christ. You see, there are things in my own walk with Christ because of my upbringing and the, de the denomination that I grew up in and all the, diff the different factors that led me to believe certain things about Christ and about the Christian walk that later I've discovered in Scripture that have not been true from the beginning. And these truths have set me free. And so what I want to do this afternoon is I want to share with you one of those truths. And my prayer is that it will set you free in the same way that it has set me free. Let's pray. 
Lord God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you, Lord, because, because you've done amazing things, Lord, in our lives. You've done amazing things in this church. You are alive. You are here, and we welcome you, and we thank you, Lord. I want to pray a special prayer this afternoon that you, that you will speak to us, Lord, and that you will set us free, that there will be someone here, or many perhaps, that as a result of this message will be set free. That's my prayer, Lord. I pray this, Lord, because this is something only you can do. And I pray that this will take place this afternoon. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're actually starting a brand new series today. And the series is called How Sweet the Sound. And it's a series on on grace. So we're going to be talking about grace for the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about grace actually for the next four weeks. And, And before we get started with the whole series, we need to understand what grace is. Because we talk about grace, we hear about grace, we, we sing about grace, but what is grace? We can have different, different definitions about grace, but one of the, my favorite definitions that I heard was a few months ago by Pastor Rob when he was explaining what grace meant. And I love this definition of grace because it was simple yet profound. And the way he described grace was by making a distinction between three concepts. And one concept was justice. The other concept was mercy, and then the other concept was grace. And he gave an example, and I'm going to change up the example a little bit here, but like, for example, if I, uh, if I, owe, pa- if I owe Pastor Kirby $1,000, where's Pastor Kirby? I can't see him right now. Where's there? Okay. Let's say I owe you $1,000, right? So, I, no, I don't. Oh, okay. So, let's say I owe him $1,000. Justice says... Simply, I have to pay that money. I have to pay him $1,000 because I owe him $1,000. That's justice. Now, mercy would be him telling me, you know what? You don't have to pay anything. Don't even worry about it. I don't need the $1,000, right? Then, but grace would say, you know what? Not only do you not have to pay me the $1,000, but I'm actually going to credit your account with an extra 1000 That's grace, right? Thank you, Pastor Kirby. That's so great. Thank you. I'm going to check my bank account later, see if it's actually true or not. See how much grace you actually have, um, which, is a, which is amazing grace. Not as much as Jesus' grace, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So the same is true with our walk with Christ. When we talk about grace, and we're talking about the grace of Jesus, justice says, Romans 6, that the wages of sin is death. So justice for us is that we are destined to have separation, eternal separation, from God as a result of our sin. That's justice. But mercy says that Jesus dies on the cross, so we no longer have to pay the, the, the debt of sin. But then he goes deeper, and he talks about grace. Grace is much deeper because he says, not only are you free to not have to pay the debt of sin, but I am dying on the cross so that you can have eternal life. That's grace. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, and we're going to be talking about four concepts, or actually four angles of this idea of grace. We're talking about first the, the, the whole idea that grace accepts us. That's, that's today. Then grace changes us. Grace fills us. And finally, grace saves us. And we're going to start off with the concept of, the, of, of this whole idea that, that Christ accepts us by grace, that the grace of Jesus accepts us. And what better way to start than with the story of the calling of Matthew? 
Matthew the tax collector, Matthew the traitor, Matthew the one who turned his back on the, on, on the Jews and started collecting taxes from them, Matthew, the person who was least likely to be accepted by Jesus. Matthew 9 verse 9 says this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, uh, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For, and this is the most important part, at least for this, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, Jesus accepted Matthew. He accepted him. The sinner, the traitor, the least likely to be accepted, Jesus accepted him. And the same is true for me, and the same is true for you. We are accepted by Christ because of his grace. That's great news. But to be honest with you, I struggle with this. I have a hard time accepting the fact that Jesus accepts me because I know me. I know the thoughts that go on in my brain. I know the sins I commit throughout the week. I know those. And I know Jesus knows them and he sees everything that I do and he sees everything that we all do. So I struggle with the whole idea of of Jesus accepting me, of looking down and saying, Josh, that's, this was so great. I, I, am so, I am so proud of you because you do such great things every day. I know me, so I have a, a, a struggle realizing or accepting the fact that Jesus 100% accepts me. You know what's easier for me to accept is the concept of, of, of God being disappointed in me, right? So I live my life with this idea that I have to battle with, and it's the idea of disappointment. Like, I'm always messing up. And I'm always just not, not quite making it. You know, like, I prayed almost every day this week, and I just missed one day. It's like, ah. Oh. God's like, you know what, maybe next time. I mean, I still love you and everything, but ah, what are you going to do? It's just you. You know what I'm saying? I have a, it's easier for me to accept this concept that God has of me more than 100% being accepted by Christ. We constantly miss the mark since we are sinners And then my brain tells me that God is disappointed in me because we constantly miss the mark. And we read uh, texts like um, uh, scriptures like Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. And then Romans 3, as it is written, there is... There is no one righteous, not even one. There is, there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So I read texts like this, and I, and I conclude, God is constantly disappointed in me because I constantly miss the mark. That's what my brain tells me. Remember what we said at the beginning? That there are certain things that we believe that are true from the beginning only to discover later that that was never true? 
The same is true with this. To me, it's easy to understand the, the whole idea of disappointment with God, but Scripture tells us that that has never been true from the beginning. He, we are accepted 100% the way we are now. And understanding that has set me free for the most part because I keep remembering it and then I have to remember the Scripture over and over again. How did I discover this? This is something that maybe... For many of you, this will be not necessarily a new discovery, but it will be maybe remembering something that you knew from the past, but then you'll remember it again today. This whole idea of being accepted by Christ. I learned it through my kids, because I have three kids, Justin, Matthew, and Amy. Justin's the oldest. He's 13. He's up there doing lights. Hi, Justin. I can't even see you. Yeah, I know. You're waving your arms. Okay, he's there. He's not, he's not texting right now, at least. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, or playing video games. Um, so I have three kids, and, and, but they were babies once, you know? They were babies. And, and I think that the, the, the goal that babies have is to get their parents to hate them because they do everything to make you just hate them because there's, it's all about pee and poo and vomit and crying and sleepless nights. It's just... You know, it makes you want to pull your hair out, right? It's too late for that now, but anyway. But that's the whole, you know, and, and, and so when I think about me as a parent or, or my kids as kids and just, just making a mess out of everything and just your house is just complete chaos, I think about my relationship with Christ. And I think about all the times that I mess up. I sin. I miss the mark. I, I miss church. I get angry. I have lust. I don't pray enough. All these things that, of course... God is going to be disappointed in me. But then I think about it even further. And I think about my kids now, and even then, through all the messes that they made, man, I, I, can't, I can't stop loving them. I can't. I love them more now than ever. My love for my kids is 100% unconditional, no matter what they do. So my logic is, if me being a, a, an imperfect father can have unconditional love for my kids... God being the perfect Father, being our Abba Father, everlasting. Imagine if that's true for me, what, how that's true for, for God as the way He sees us and how He accepts us. But this is a tough one to, to get our minds around. It's very hard. But this is what I want us to, to discover today, is that God is not disappointed in you. He loves you and me unconditionally. Because we talk a lot about accepting Jesus in our hearts, right? This whole, it's a beautiful concept of, of I accept Christ into my life. It's great, and we've all, or, or many of us have done that, and it's a beautiful thing. But I think it's harder for us to understand, or it's harder for us to accept Jesus in our hearts because, because our minds can't get around the idea of the fact that Jesus accepted us first. Christ is perfect. God is perfect. We love Him. We accept Him. But then... It's, it goes both ways. He looks at us, and he looks at the way we are, and he fully accepts us the way we are. And this is a hard thing, for me at least, and, and maybe for you too, to get our minds around. Because I think we, we need to remember constantly what it is that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. That's why we have service. That's why we do communion. We remember what Jesus did. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse, verse 3 says, For what I received I passed on to you, as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 
And that changed everything. It really did. It changed everything. We are now accepted by grace when Jesus died on the cross. He took care of all of our sins, past, present, future. And now the, the main thing isn't whether we, how much we sin or how, li- or how little we sin. But it's hard for us to understand this because we always think or I think that I'm like almost there. It's like, oh, I was so close this week. Oh, man, I, I, I read Scripture almost every day. I, I, I didn't get angry today. And it's like almost like if you did just a little bit more, then God would look at you and he would be like, good job. And then it would be great, right? We, um, some of you know we started a church in Chile. This was uh, 2010. I pastored that church for six years. And we also had planted three other churches in the islands of Chiloé. And one of the islands we called, was called Liucura. And on that island, we had a small church, and we would go there every so often. And in that island, there was no phone reception. And there was only one spot, actually, on that island where there was phone reception, but it was really hard to get there. So we had to go, like, uh, over, like, this river, and then we had to go under, uh, a, a, like, a, like, a, like, a barbed wire thing we had to go under, and then we had to go up a hill, and we, all, we were all sweaty when we got there, and then we would try to get phone reception, and then we'd get a couple of bars, and then we were able to make a phone call. Every time I think about that story, I think about sometimes the, the, the concept that we have in order to be able to be in a right relationship with Christ, that we've got to do all these things, we've got to sweat, we've got to do all this effort so that finally, for a little bit of, like for a small moment, we can uh, have a relationship with Christ. But that's just not true. We're loved by God now fully Right now, in this moment, he's not waiting for a better version of you to love you more. He loves you completely right now, and he knows what's going on in your brain and the things that we do, and he's like, "Uh, yes, and I accept you. This is so important, so important, because it's never about what you do or don't do. It's about what Christ did on the cross. Uh, John uh, 19.30 says, um, this is the moment when Jesus was on the cross. He says, um, when, we had, when he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. In that moment, it was finished. No more heavy lifting, no more going uphill, sweating, trying to do all these things to have a right relationship with Christ. No, he did it. When he died on the cross, he paid for everything. This is so important because I think sometimes we don't really believe this 100% because we think we got to add a little bit to it because the sacrifice wasn't enough, so we got to do these different things in order for, the, for, the, for, for the, the salvation and the right relationship to be fully finished, but that's simply not true. So God is not waiting till for the end of time to be able to meet us and then have a list of, of, of sins, like a, like a bunch of papers here, you know, say all the sins that we committed during our life and then, and then a list of, of good deeds over here, you know, or maybe a list of sins and then a list of good deeds. I don't know what the proportion is, but the point is it's never, it's not about that anymore. He, he tore those papers up. In the moment that the veil was torn, when Jesus said, it is finished. It's not about that anymore. So God looks at us now and he smiles. He, he looks at us and, he's, and he's, 
He's happy. He sees us and he smiles. Because we are accepted by grace. 100% now, in this moment. So congratulations. We're accepted by grace. Now we can live how we want. Let's close in prayer. I'm kidding. Right? We can't. This is not the way it goes. We can't just do whatever now. Oh. How does this thing really work? Right? Let me do it. Let me, uh, we'll go through one scripture. Uh, 1 Peter 4. It says, <laughs> 1 Peter 4 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So what he's saying here is that even though we are accepted, we still must behave. Verse 3, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. So what he's saying here is even though we are accepted, we still need to walk away from these things. Verse 4, They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but living according to God in regard to the spirit. Verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and, and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So what it, even though we are accepted, we must still live good lives. All right. Pastor, I'm confused now. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. So you're saying that, that, that what has not been true from, what, what, what we believe was true from the beginning, which is the, the whole idea of God being disappointed in us, has never actually been true because we are accepted fully by grace. However, even though we were accepted fully, we still can't live how we want? That seems like conditional acceptance. Conditional acceptance. Like, like yes, it's grace. It's, it's unconditional, but you still got to live right. How does this work out? I think it's a good question. And the good thing is that Paul addresses this question in uh, Romans 6. 1. It's actually a rhetorical question where he says, What shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? So Jesus paid for everything. Cool, now I can do whatever I want. It's like if, um, you know, you invite someone to dinner and you tell him, you know what, just uh, order whatever you want. And the person orders everything on the menu. Thousand dollar bill at the end. Right? I know. That's, 
I haven't, it hasn't healed yet. It's still, I'm working on it. Um, so what, what, I, what I would be doing is I would be abusing, abusing the grace. I'm like, okay, it's free. He said it was free. I can order whatever I want, right? So I'm just going to go through the list and just order everything, right? That's abusing grace. So, so the answer to this question is 100% no. Because when we think about the grace of God, and we understand the grace of God as being able to just live however we want, we have not understood the heart of it. Because salvation is now free, but we are free, not free to sin, we are free from sin. We're not free to sin, we are free from sin. And this is very important because sin is a prison. And this is one of the big, the big tools that the enemy uses. He's like, oh, just sin, do whatever you want. You know, just live a crazy life and do all these things. And then you do it and you realize that you're a slave. That's not freedom. And this is where I think we get confused because we are called to live the way we're supposed to live because we have a way that God created us to live and we need to live in accordance to that new creation. Let me explain it this way. And this is another, another story that I hope will be helpful. I hope, I hope this is helpful. I really do. So there's this person who's in prison and he was sentenced to life in prison. And he spent... One, two, he spent five years in prison, and he was going to serve the rest of his life in jail. And then the prison warden comes up to him one day and says, you know what, let's get out of here. And he grabs him, puts him in his truck, and they drive off. They drive for a, for a few hours, and the prisoner was like, oh, this is so great. I feel the wind in my face. I haven't seen, you know, the sun in such a long time. This is amazing. I can't believe I'm being set free. And so they keep driving, and then the truck parks at a different location. He gets out of the truck and he realizes it's another, it's another prison complex. And then he goes back and goes back into prison. So what he thought was his, his freedom was actually just a, tra- a transition from one prison to another. Now, why do I share this? Because maybe many of us here, maybe some of us, I don't know, we lived a life of debauchery, which is just living however we want, debauchery. We're just doing whatever we want right, in life. That was me. And then we meet Christ, or we meet someone who introduces us to Christ, and we come to church. And we're promised freedom. We're going to be free in Christ. You'll have all this freedom. And then you walk in, and you realize that it wasn't freedom. It was just a transition from one prison to another, from the prison of debauchery to the prison of legalism. I think most of us probably don't struggle with the whole idea of debauchery for now because we're here. Probably that was like our past life for some of us. But my concern is that today we struggle with the whole idea of legalism, the the, the restraint part, like, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that, and we're prisoners. And this is a tricky subject because, of course, we are called to live good lives. So the question is, Where is the balance? And the answer is is the following. It's not doing whatever you want. It's not legalism because they're both prisons. They're both, both, you're a prisoner if you you do either of these. There's a third way. 
And the third way has to do with a new creation. The fact that we are new on the inside. There's some beautiful scriptures that talk about the new nature, the new creation, and being born again. 1 Peter 1.23 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And I love the way Paul puts it in Galatians 4.19. He says, My dear children, for who I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. It's such a beautiful image, this idea of Christ being formed inside of you so you can live out the life of Christ. And then Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the way we're supposed to live. See, it's not about not sinning, and it's not about sinning. It's not about the, all the external things that we do. It's about this new creation that's inside of me and living organically from the inside out. And our life is going to change. I mean, I guarantee that, but that's not the main point. It's letting this new life that we have flow from the inside out. So it's not about acting like a Christian or like looking around and saying, yeah, this is really what a Christian person should do. No, it's about identifying the fact that you have Christ inside of you and He is guiding you, allowing the transformation to take place from the inside out. Because the amount of freedom that we're given is amazing. I mean, if you look at 1 Corinthians um, 10.23, it says, My dear children, for whom I'm again... Sorry, uh, wrong scripture. 1 Corinthians uh, 10.23 says, I have, the right to do, I have the right to do anything. 1 Corinthians 10.23. This, this is the amount of freedom that we have. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is is constructive. So it's the whole idea of everything is permitted. Not everything is beneficial. Christ paid for everything. We are in fact free, free from sin, not free to sin, because at the end of the day, a life of debauchery is a life of, it, it's, a, it's a prison, and a life of legalism is a life of imprisonment, we are called to live from the inside out, from this new nature that has been given to us, which is the way that we were created to live. It's not, it's not about, it's about knowing who you are. It's about knowing whose you are, knowing that we are accepted, that we are loved. We are fully accepted right now where we are. I'll finish with this story. So there's this story I heard once, and it really touched my heart. I've never forgot it. It's the story of this, uh, of this parent, this dad. He was in his room, and he, he, had, a, he had a little daughter, an eight-year-old daughter. And uh, he heard his daughter calling him, Daddy, Daddy, there was something wrong. There was something going on. So he walks in there, and his daughter had had some sort of a stomach flu, and, and she was a mess. I mean, she had vomited on herself. She had snot all over her face. It was, it was bad. Then he walks in and, and he sees his daughter and his daughter is, Daddy, Daddy, I'm scared because she had made a mess of herself. What was her dad's reaction when he saw her? Ugh, that's so gross. Yeah, can you just, just go clean yourself up and then take a shower and wipe all that snot off of your face and then you can, I'll hug you. No, of course not. Of course not. He, just, he ran up to her and just gave her a big old hug and just hugged her and said, it's, it's, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. Daddy's going to take care of this right? 
You see, I never forgot that story because when I think about our relationship with Christ, we sometimes miss, we miss it because we think that we have to, have to be all cleaned up and all perfect for God to accept us. That is simply not true. He accepts us the way we are now. And when we get that, when we get that, that we truly are accepted 100% right now as we are, that will change us. We'll have new life. So Christ accepts us 100%. Will you accept him? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for, for your word. Thank you because you've, you have spoken into my life. I pray that this will be helpful for everyone who's heard this message. I pray that we will remember that the thing that we've perhaps thought that was true from the beginning, which is that you're disappointed in us, is not true. We are fully accepted. I pray that we will really understand this 100% and that we will allow ourselves to live organically from the inside out from our new nature. I pray this, Lord, that you will do this in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this message helpful, please help us spread the word by sending this message to a friend, a neighbor, or a family member. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or come join us at one of our four worship experiences. Have a great day. Again.